Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. We're doing another uh, sponsor spotlight today. And we've got our good friends from SmartServe. Richard Anderson, the executive director, joins us. Welcome, Richard. Hi, Dave. Thank you. So um, there's a lot going on with liquor laws in Ontario right now. Can you tell us just in a nutshell what's happening and where that puts you guys? Certainly. So I think, uh, you know, unless you're living under a rock, you will have certainly have heard a lot of the media uh, surrounding the recent alcohol changes. Uh, certainly it's gotten a lot of press. So, you know, what I'm hoping we can do is talk about them, uh, specifically the ones that might affect festivals who obviously offer alcohol sales. And uh, more importantly, maybe give direction on how they can reduce the risk and understand liability. So on May 6th, the AGCO made some announcement of changes. Can you sort of walk our festival event people through some of those changes and how it might impact people that are already smart served or people that need to get smart served again? For sure. I, I think the, the first point we always recommend, and this certainly isn't a money grab, there's been so many changes lately that, you know, voluntary recertification is certainly a consideration. Uh, it's not mandatory, but something to consider. But with reference to the recent changes, I think, uh, and we've got a link on our website at smartserve.ca backslash news, but from a high level, and these don't necessarily impact all festival and events, but obviously the the biggest one I think would be hours of sale. So you can now serve alcohol at 9 a.m. and that's uh, as long as you outlined it on your special occasion permit. So it's important to consider the benefit of that. Um, I can speak for um, those that know me, know my I volunteer for a festival and we've made the decision to not do the 9 a.m. and um, we weighed, you know, the benefits of doing that and, and thought this year it doesn't make sense. But there's some options uh, for those that think it's important. I think the other thing for special occasion permit holders is uh, a partition uh, around the boundary. So you still have to distinguish the space um, as you always did, but there's some slight changes there. Um, the, uh, the biggest one that uh, came as a bit of a surprise was in the past, you always required food um, and that's now changed so it now basically means you don't necessarily need to have food within the confines of the of the permit uh, most events have food built around their event so I you know I don't think that's an issue for a lot of organizations but at the end of the day SmartServe would highly recommend you have food available um, just in case as much as it's not a requirement uh, I think the other one uh, and again I'm not sure too many will consider it is the new tailgating special occasion permit. Um, and it's got to be around sporting events. And, and I don't think a lot of festivals attach themselves to those. Um, and those events are pretty intriguing. So those are kind of the key ones. And then if you were to kind of siphon down to some of the other ones, there's some new advertising rules around happy hour. Um, if you were doing some kind of sample sizes or manufacturers are present, the, there used to be a restriction on the size. Um, and I think the other ones just of general interest is, of course, convenience stores, big box stores, and more grocery stores will likely be getting uh, alcohol. Uh, and the last one would be that municipalities, 
uh, have the ability to allow alcohol to be consumed in public spaces. And although this hasn't been implemented yet, it could potentially impact some events that use uh, public spaces. So that was a real high level, but there certainly has been quite a few changes. So I just want to touch on a couple of those, Richards, just for clarification, if you've got any, or um, with sure. the municipalities and the public spaces. So assuming you've got a park in your community that uh, has been licensed by the city, would you still require an SOP to go onto that site or has the city taken care of that responsibility for you? Sure. It's my understanding an SOP is still required if you want to sell alcohol. Uh, certainly, if you're not planning on selling, it's not required, which means, you know, those attending could bring their own if permitted by the municipality. So I think that special occasion permits are still required, um, but it could mean that you have a licensed area and you're selling and serving and outside the licensed area, someone could bring a bottle of wine or some beer. Uh, so certainly that would need to be monitored. But um, I would, again, ask for clarification when you're applying for your special occasion permit and certainly have a conversation with your municipality. So, again, some of the implications that could come there with your municipality is if the whole park is licensed, you may not have to fence off a licensed area, correct? I, I think I would not use the term license. So they're not, uh, they're not going to use that terminology that we've licensed the whole park. Um, I think the way the law is structured, it's just you could, you know, declare an area uh, to be alcohol friendly, if that's a great terminology. Uh, so I, I think there's some grayness over whether it's already licensed or not. Um, it only requires licensing if you're going to sell and it doesn't necessarily. So I think it attaches to the fact that they've decided this area is open for people to bring alcohol. But the ironic part is who manages that if someone gets you know, kind of uh, uh, intoxicated and does something that, uh, you know, perhaps annoys bystanders. Well, th that's up for interpretation and who's responsible to, to manage that. And at the moment, we understand that to be municipal law enforcement or local police, but uh, still very early days. Now, I want to just touch again on the sampling size and the size of drinks that you can serve. The AGCO used to be quite... Um, stringent on the size of cup and, and the type of cup or container. Uh, are some of those laws changing around dispensing, you know, whether it's a 16 or a 20 ounce or a 40 ounce boot of beer? Or? Sure. I, I My understanding is that if a manufacturer, uh, so I think this was really targeted more at, you know, wineries and breweries that serve from their facilities. Uh, but bottom line is if you have a manufacturer on site who's doing uh, sales, and there's very few that have the, the manufacturer or the brewer on site, that there were restricted uh, serving sizes, and those restrictions have been removed. Um, my recommendation, again, would be to work with the manufacturer and be clear on what that means, uh, but there seems to be much more flexibility there. So again, on some of our food and drink expos, where you used to be able to only serve two ounces uh, per person, that is the things that might change. Like if you've got a food Correct. drink pairing. Okay. You got it. Yeah. Now, the other thing I, I'm wondering about, and, and perhaps you can enlighten me and some of our members, is from a smart serve perspective, when you get into the different layers of your organization, like your staff and your executive director and your board of directors, is it required if you're serving alcohol that everybody on the team be smart served? I know it's recommended, but is it required 
So with a special occasion permit, um, having your staff SmartServe trained is legally not required. However, the big caveat is that most municipalities require it. So it is definitely good practice. It definitely helps lessen your liability if your staff understand intoxication. And I think most people who you know, choose to have a licensed area understand the need to do it safe and responsibly. So I would say to you that the vast majority in the province uh, do do it. And we always use those that sell, serve, or handle alcohol. And I would say even those that are acting in a security role, because in, in most cases, not only are they uh, dealing with identification, but they're determining uh, intoxication prior to the person coming into the licensed area. So uh, the roundabout answer is it's legally not required, but the, the vast majority of municipalities will require it in order to get a license. Uh, and Richard, what's your recommendation on your SmartServe certificates? Or I'm not sure, do you get a card that's in your wallet? Um, as an organizer, should you have a file with everybody's on site? Or, you know, if you get inspected, what's the, what's the requirement or, or what's the time frame to, to prove that yeah. people are SmartServed? I think it's a good practice for those that are managing the, the permit to have on file the SmartServe certificate, uh, whether it's a photocopy or the actual number, uh, as it does help with an inspection uh, if, it, if it happens. I think, uh, you know, that's just being proactive and that's purely a recommendation. At the end of the day, uh, liquor inspectors, and by the way, they have a, a new title, they're called Compliance Officials because I think they're acting in numerous roles now, not just alcohol, uh, that if they come in uh, and they will ask individuals and they may ask the special occasion permit. So to be proactive, good to have copies. But I also know that sometimes it's very difficult to track as it's uh, with a lot of festivals, they're, they're volunteers. So I think it's important that uh, those that are managing uh, the special occasion permit be very aware, ask for copies, and don't just take for granted that when the person says that they're SmartServe trained. And you touched on security companies. Did that law change a couple of years ago where security guards were required to be uh, SmartServed in Ontario? Uh, I would say the answer to that is no, but those security companies that work in licensed establishments understand the need to include it. So it's not a legal requirement to have a security license, but again, if you want to work in a bar, most licensees are going to insist they have it because, you know, they're the first line uh, of, you know, defense for an organization or for a licensee on whether this person should even be in the establishment or even come into the licensed area at an event. So uh, really important that they understand intoxication. And although we haven't jumped on the cannabis comment yet, uh, that's a new reality that I, you know, the festivals are dealing with. So it's important that they're aware and that they are SmartServe trained. Now, Richard, uh, your SmartServe program, it's an online tool. People can do it at home uh, at their own pace. Um, you know, with all these changes, and all of us at FIA are just in the in the process of uh, finishing up an online tool. So I know what's going into building and and certifying those programs. With all these changes, it must affect your program. What are you guys doing uh, to keep on track and 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 update your SmartServe process? 
Certainly. So we've been in a refresh mode for well over a year and a half. Uh, it's been a journey to come up with a new product that is user-friendly and has all the latest information. Uh, we were, of course, pretty close to launching, and then the government made a, a whole bunch of changes. So uh, that'll delay us slightly, but you know, I would say we're within a month of, of our uh, launching our refresh, which is exciting for us, and we're happy to get it out there. So I think that when it goes out in the next uh, month, it'll be the latest. It'll have the most up-to-date information. Moving forward, uh, the new program is developed in a way where we can remove and update modules quite easily. So we're confident that if there are more changes coming um, through this government and through regulations, that we can continue to update um, all of our SmartServe certified uh, customers. So if you are a SmartServe certified customer uh, and you want to go in and, and make sure that you're aware of the updates, is there... Uh, a charge for that? Are you reapplying or how does that process work? Sure. So we felt it was important uh, that those that have taken it in the last 12 months will have the ability to take the upgrade for free. So they'll be able to retake the program, including the cannabis module, uh, that it'll appear on their account that they can log into and they can take that um, you know, uh, there's a, a short window that they can do it, but there's an opportunity for them to do that. There isn't a legal requirement currently to recertify, so it's not mandatory by any means. Uh, but when it comes to liability and keeping people, you know, aware of the changes, it, it certainly is uh, a really good practice for them and management um, to encourage their employees to, to upgrade and retrain. You're listening to FIO on the Air. More when we return. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged, and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome back to FIO on the Air. We're talking with Richard Anderson, the Executive Director of SmartServe Ontario, uh, one of our supplier spotlights. Richard, uh, now it's time to talk cannabis. Uh, we had an excellent panel at our, our convention, and, you know, I think what we all agreed is there's more questions than there are answers. Uh, you know, it's we're probably four, four months out from our conference, and we're probably still in the same position where there's more questions than there's answers. How are you at SmartServe incorporating the whole cannabis um, cycle into your training programs? So I think it's important that it's certainly been a high-profile topic uh, of, with any licensee, uh, and I think our messaging has been very clear. So we continue to focus on intoxication in general and not necessarily focusing on cannabis because people can be intoxicated with all various forms of drugs, whether legal or illegal. So it's important to note that we've addressed it with a uh, high-level module that readdresses the signs and symptoms of intoxication, including 
uh, signs of cannabis use. And I think what we're trying to do is stay away from the stigma of, you know, uh, the stoner vibe or something like that. I think what we're definitely seeing is uh, all age groups are experimenting. Uh, certainly, we haven't talked a lot about edibles and infused, but, you know, those are coming. Health Canada is trying to figure all those things out, and uh, it's going to make it for interesting times. So bottom line, the module continues to remind those that are serving or, or even security people that, you know, if your customer is showing signs of intoxication, regardless of what they've consumed, that you should monitor, cut them off, and, and remove them from the premise. And so we're going to continue to uh, provide that feedback to you know, anyone who asks those questions. Now, I've got a couple of channels to go down here. So uh, using your logic, um, even when uh, cannabis was illegal, people were still consuming it and were coming to events and festivals. So it was part of the process to, doesn't matter what you're getting high on, it's your responsibility to monitor it and, and take care of it, correct? Yeah, I think the bottom line is the minute you serve them with alcohol, uh, you assume that risk. So if you want to lessen the risk and the liability, uh, you, you would be a little more uh, diligent in kind of monitoring the individual, looking at those signs uh, and uh, making a decision. And I, I always remind servers that the law protects you. You have the right to decline service. So even if you're in doubt and you're worried about offending someone uh, because you don't know what they've consumed, it isn't necessarily cannabis. It could be prescription drugs. It could be, you know, uh, a bunch of things. It could be lack of sleep, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if you serving alcohol to them contributes to their condition or, or helps it get worse, uh, you accept that liability. So it's really important that, you know, to be safe and serve responsibly and lessen that risk. And the edibles, um, they don't really come into play until October, I believe. Is that correct? Certainly when we're talking legality or, or from a legal perspective, that that's when they uh, will become, I guess, regulated by Health Canada. But I think, you know, we'd be foolish to think that, you know, uh, people aren't consuming edibles now. They're not, you know, they're experimenting at home. Uh, we hear a lot about gummy worms. We hear all these wonderful things. So I think, uh, and the edible market is set to explode. I think uh, Deloitte issued a report, $2.8 billion will be that market. So it's coming. Uh, so my point is continue to look for signs of intoxication because they absolutely could have, um, you know, eaten something. Uh, and of course, it takes longer to get through the system, but that's just another thing to, to kind of look for. And the other thing, in everything I've read with the edible market and it coming into play, um, there's a real concern with having edibles available with liquor. So you're, from what I'm reading is you're going to have to be sort of one or the other that you, you can serve cannabis in a five-course meal setting, but you can't have alcohol. Or, or That's at least what I'm hearing. Is that Are you hearing similar yeah. things? For sure. That's certainly what we're hearing early on from Health Canada. That doesn't mean it wouldn't change. But our understanding is that um, if you're, uh, and this doesn't even take into consideration special occasion permits, but if you're a licensee who currently has a liquor license and decides that you want to uh, do infused dining, as an example, our understanding is that right now you, you wouldn't be able to do both. You'd have to choose 
uh, whether you want to keep your liquor license or whether you want to do infused. Uh, the other thing that's imperative is that your kitchen has to be uh, almost two kitchens, separately vented, so there's no cross-contamination. And I think the last part is that it's such an exact science in determining uh, if you have an infused dining experience, how much THC uh, you are getting and how, I guess, intoxicated you may or may not be. And uh, I think that's the difficult part uh, in kind of determining whether you want to get into that. So I know a, a lot of festivals want to be cutting edge and you know, since there are more questions than answers, there's a very gray line out there right now. And, and I have a hard time with, with all of the risks that are associated, especially if you have a liquor license of allowing cannabis on your site. I get the customer experience. I, I totally am 100% behind that. But with that customer experience, there's no return on investment to you because you're assuming all the risk and gaining no reward because you're not able to sell it, thereby you're not able to monitor it, thereby that person could have one beer and put your alcohol license in jeopardy. Am I am I missing yeah. something in that process? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that you are. I think it's a really precarious situation from whether I choose to bring on a cannabis sponsor, which is, as you know, in itself a, a complete different thing. But I think it's important that if you have vendors, you need to be very clear on what it is they're providing. Uh, you know, if they're providing CBD oil, that's not legal. And uh, if they're providing edibles, and I think that it really ensures that we are being responsible in our events to make sure that our vendors are not selling products that are still deemed to be illegal. And certainly no vendor is allowed to sell, uh, you know, any cannabis oil, cannabis product, uh, the gray area seems to be around CBD. People, because it's not an intoxicant, they think it's okay to sell. So you need to be on top of that because at the end of the day, if Health Canada sees that, uh, not only will the vendor be charged, but the person running the event could potentially be charged. And uh, you certainly want to avoid that at all costs. And I think bottom line is the the edibles and cannabis in general if you ignore it or don't pay attention, it could come back to haunt you. And and who is enforcing that? I mean, is that the responsibility of the AGCO inspectors or whatever you called them the last time or the local law <laughs> enforcement? Or... Yeah, uh, again, that's pretty great. So uh, the AGCO does not enforce cannabis rules and laws. Uh, so certainly if uh, they come into a licensed area, and maybe someone smoking cannabis, they, they'll comment on it, but they are responsible for enforcing the alcohol laws and regulations, so they're, they're not going to deal with it. Uh, really, it's Health Canada's responsibility uh, currently, and they um, you know, will, will not necessarily take a proactive role because I don't think they have enough um, labor to, to deal with all the events. But at the end of the day, if there's a complaint... Health Canada will respond to the complaint. And I think we're seeing a couple of high-profile 
uh, kind of court cases right now against a couple of manufacturers in Ontario where they, you know, set up uh, booths and were doing education and someone complained. So uh, unfortunately, it's complaint driven. So it is reactive. It's not proactive. But I can assure you that uh, if someone's smoking and it's posted on social media, um, there, there could be some repercussions. Uh, so it's a tough it's a tough situation to be in. Now, I, I know in Ontario, and it could be city to city, uh, the regulations are interpreted differently because it, it really is an interpretation on that enforcement officer's reading of how something... And that, and that becomes a problem for people that are operating in different cities throughout the province. How does SmartServe try to deal with and, and handle that type of thing? Certainly. I mean, obviously, we're an education company. Or we do our best to uh, educate people on what the laws are and what the education is around this. I think that we don't do enforcement. Uh, and, you know, certainly interpreting enforcement is a real challenge. So I can't give an opinion on that other than it's really important that you have an open dialogue with all of your, uh, you know, regional and local officials from, you know, city officials, town officials, municipal enforcement, local police, so that you together kind of set a process in place, or at least you're clear on what they're prepared to do or not do. And I think even going through that process, you may still find there's some gray areas that you might be uncomfortable with, but at the end of the day, at least you have an awareness of what the process and what the protocol is. And in your SmartServe app, is there a, a new cannabis module that, that's available? And is there a charge to go in and take that? Or Sure. So absolutely with the new program, we have uh, this, this new module. If anybody wants to voluntarily uh, upgrade, they can do that. Again, it's voluntary and it would be twenty four ninety five. Um, I will again highlight that anyone that's taken our training in the last 12 months, they will be allowed to log in and take that upgrade for free. And you know, how do they know if they qualify? Uh, it's as simple as they'll have an online account, they should log into it, and uh, the course will be there if it fits within that timeframe. Um, anybody outside that time frame will either voluntarily recertify or they may choose just to not do the recertification. But certainly uh, we, we recommend from a liability perspective, if you're active in the industry, it's important to stay uh, aware of the changes. And as you're putting together your modules, just wondering about the background and the education pieces, are you building these modules in cooperation with the AGCO and with local law enforcement? How, how does that module come together? Sure. When, when we went through the journey of refreshing the program, uh, we did many focus groups, which in, you know involved uh, health departments, local police, uh, certainly um, you know, health care agencies, so we reached out to all the appropriate partners to get feedback, and our program is approved by the Alcohol and Gaming Commission's board, and so we are the board-approved program. So we do partner with uh, the AGCO. We do, you know, review it, and they do ultimately uh, approve the program. So it definitely has to go uh, through quite a process, be vetted numerous times. So it's been a process. The good news is we're we're finally near the end, and. Uh, we're confident in the quality of the program and certainly the latest information. 
Richard Anderson is our guest today on FIO on the Air. Back in just a moment with more. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome back to FIO on the Air. I'm Dave McNeil. We're talking with Richard Anderson from SmartServe Ontario on a supplier spotlight today. Um, Richard, a lot of changes come into effect with the AGCO. What's uh, What can we expect moving forward from SmartServe Ontario? What's in the works for you guys? Sure. I think, uh, you know, we've, we've touched high level on it, but uh, right now we anticipate the training program to be uh, released in July. And uh, this has been a journey. So anyone who's in the uh, technological education space knows that uh, uh, to make it perfect, it, it can take some time. So we certainly appreciate everyone's uh, patience as we get through that. I think organizations that in the past have facilitated our program and taught it in class, it's key that uh, they know there's no more paper testing and no more uh, booklets. So we're moving away from that, and uh, we believe that it'll still be as effective. Uh, so we want them to know that, and if they have questions, they're welcome to call. Um, and I think we want to communicate more to our certificate holders. So it's important for organizations to know about updates and changes and, and certainly stay on top of that. And we encourage people to do that by uh, engaging in all our social media. But immediately, if you're interested in when the launch is and, and when the new program comes out, we recommend you go to smartserve.ca backslash refresh, where you can uh, sign up and you'll be emailed when the launch is uh, live. So as our festival events are, are, are getting ready and gearing up for the summer, what are some policy, policies and procedures you'd recommend that they touch up on as they're waiting for these new modules to come out with SmartServe? Yeah, I think uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, it's important you review your policies and procedures with your uh, staff and certainly those that are SmartServe trained. Uh, talk about intoxication, have a very open conversation about it, and certainly talk about cannabis and other intoxicants because, um, you know, I think people were so, so narrow-minded in the SmartServe realm about alcohol intoxication, and I, I think the, the legalization of cannabis has just opened it up to kind of there's so many more things out there um, and, and maybe we be, need to be a little more attentive to them. I think, um, you know, you might want to document them uh, and have the staff sign off on them. I know that a lot of festivals have risk plans and so on. I think it's important uh, to add this. You may also want to post signage in your licensed areas that talks about your stance on, on cannabis and other intoxicants. Um, certainly there's nothing wrong. There's usually house rules sometimes posted at licensed areas. Certainly uh, it's okay to do that. I would encourage staff and volunteers to certify or recertify depending on the situation. And again, that's not a sales pitch. This is just to help you be able to deal with the liability and, and the risk. And I think if you're not already, follow the news, know what's going on, 
and I think it's important to know that, you know, there's more changes to come. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be in this business, you need to stay on top of those. So that's a good reminder for our policies and procedures. What else would you recommend as takeaways for, for our festivals? So I've spoken about policies and procedures and updating your staff. I think it's important that you continue to ask questions, whether you have legal counsel, you can reach out to the AGCO. Um, certainly we have tools on our website that allows you to keep up to date. Um, you may want to provide your staff and management team with an opportunity to, to retrain. Uh, we have resources on our website that help uh, managers on how to communicate to their staff. Uh, you might want to consider purchasing tokens for some of your team, and they, of course, can do the training at their own speed and at their own uh, you know, house or wherever. The reminder that intoxication is intoxication, um, that it can be alcohol, drugs, medications, and other factors. And last but not least, if you sign up to smartserve.ca refresh, That'll give uh, the latest updates to anyone who's uh, interested in them. Richard, we really appreciate you dropping by today and getting everybody sort of up to date on where SmartServe stands on all the changes. Obviously, a lot to come. Um, can you talk about how, how people get in touch with you or how they get more information, where they go to, to do their SmartServe program? Certainly. So we're smartserve.ca. Uh, that's where you can take the program. That's where you can wander through our website and look at uh, updates uh, on cannabis, what's in the news, what are the recent changes. If you're interested in getting a, an email from us when we've launched our refresh program, smartserve.ca backslash news. Certainly, you can go to the agco.ca for information and uh, smartserve.ca refresh I spoke to. Obviously, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And... Uh, you know, we're we're happy to accept phone calls, emails, whatever we can do to assist. And we certainly wish all festival and events in Ontario great success with these changes. Richard, we look forward to touching back with you later in the summer when you've got your new modules ready and you're ready to release the program. We'll walk through it and highlight it at that time. And then we'll touch base with you again in the fall as, as the edibles and that whole uh, next series of events in the cannabis world is is falling out and and seeing what's in store for you guys and how you plan on dealing with it at SmartServe. For sure, look forward to it. Thanks very much, Richard. Look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Dave. I'm Dave McNeil from Festivals and Events Ontario. Remember, festivals build communities. Thanks for listening to Feel on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with Theo on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now. Dave at festivals and events Ontario.ca.